Welcome to the War and Beast podcast, the podcast that says, whoever thought that you could make pinballs out of Transformers? I'm Greg. I'm Emily. <laughs> I'm Jordan. Spoiler alert, everyone on this podcast will be dead in the last 30 seconds of this episode. I'm Kevin. Dun, dun, dun. And this week we hey, are... Look, reviewed. if my friends couldn't convince me I was dead back in college, I don't think you can get convince me I'm dead again. <laughs> Jordan, I don't have to convince you. I just have to convince the listeners. Oh, you got a point. And that's yeah. kind of how I turned it on them. It's like they, they, uh, a friend spent an entire uh, semester of college trying to convince me that I that I was dead. And he says, well, whatever. Why do you not think you're dead? And I said, because I believe I believe I don't believe that I'm dead. And he's like, and so, you know, that's all that matters. He's like, well, shoot, I can't really argue against that. <laughs> and so he gave up. Anyway, we are reviewing season two, episode 12. Endgame Part 2, When Legends Fall. Uh, okay, this is a bit better set Part 2 compared to, like, Power Rangers 3 Part second episodes, I think. Stuff happened. Yeah. So I'm just going to warn you guys, because I did, because I listened to the commentary and I didn't want anything to be spoiled. I did watch the last two episodes, and <laughs> I do think that the series ends strong. Okay. Um, I, I just may as well say it now. So, um, um, yeah, I thought can, this episode was really good. Yeah, I mean, we can discuss, you know, we can discuss the the nitpicks and stuff, but I do think that the series ends strong, and I think I will. Ha- I'm sure we'll have more to more to discuss because I think uh, everybody except for Emily has watched the end now. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, I haven't watched the end. Yeah, if I had known that's what we were doing, I would have done that. <laughs> no, 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 no. They just they watched it like they powered through the whole thing last week, yeah. and then I yeah. knew that I was going to be pulling from the commentary, which is a good segue to uh, Kendall's segment. Kendall plays clips from the commentary <laughs> from this episode. Yeah, because you know, with two episodes left, decided to be- debut a new segment. Yeah, I mean, just like just like the show. Yeah, <laughs> there are two. There are multiple new things in this in this episode in, in this episode. Okay, so um, basically, I've got. I just there was there was a commentary for this episode, and this is the first episode where there was a commentary. Uh, since I started doing audio clips and I started grabbing clips and there's a lot of interesting stuff. So, uh, Oh, 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 before you do that. Yeah. I saw a video today of the man who voiced Rhinox and guess what his favorite episode was the low road. He said the one where he burped a lot. (laughs) (laughs) And that's, um, that's somebody else's favorite episode too, isn't it? Scott McNeil. Yeah. Scott McNeil's. So, I mean, Look, I'm in good company. We're gonna actually, uh, we're gonna actually learn that some of our uh, our thoughts about some of these characters. Uh, we were, I don't remember. There's some things are gonna, that I learned from this commentary that I don't remember if it was included in trivia or if it was stuff that we made up or stuff that we theorized. But uh, there's like a lot of stuff that I didn't know we knew. Okay. Uh, but uh, 
So I tried not to pull any clips that were like just treading, treading the same ground because a lot of this commentary was just sort of them generally talking about the series. Uh, But Mm. I did think that this this take from uh, so the uh, commentary is uh, Robert N. Skur and Stephen Melching. Uh, Robert N. Schur and Skur is somebody important. I forget. Stephen yeah, Melching. Sure. Yeah, is, he's, Bob, he's, he's one of the <laughs> main characters after Marv. Yes, yes. And then uh, Stephen, Stephen Melching uh, was just a freelance writer who worked on the series. Uh, most of it is most of it is is going to be uh, Bob Skur talking. Uh, Stephen kind of was. It was almost like an interview. Where Steven was interviewing him, but they did they did both throw some stuff. This first clip is from uh, Bob, just sort of talking generally about the series. The original marching order that we got from Hasbro and from Mainframe and even from Fox was they wanted to do a very very different Transformer series from any that had been done before. They wanted this to be very rich in spiritual themes. And I thought it was a very unusual request for a show about a lot of robots who were basically hitting each other a lot. <laughs> so um, I decided to see exactly how far I could take it. So um, we made the series as spiritual as we could and basically did a um, basically a, a religious novel for television, a religious epic, if you will. Religious and, epic. And uh, basically we just had a blast doing it. We had a, a lot of adventure and a lot of great themes and a lot of great characters to work with. We inherited incredible characters from not only from the original Transformers, but from uh, uh, Beast Wars. Uh, Bob Forward and Larry Attilio created incredible characters. Yeah, and he actually goes on to say uh, that this show takes those characters to their logical or illogical ends. Uh, hmm. But I cut off the... So, um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I thought that was interesting. So now that we're this far in yeah. the series... How how much because that was something that they brought up in the other commentary as well. How much do you guys think this is actually this is actually falls like how spiritual do you think this series was or or does it fall into it, would you consider it a spiritual epic or novel in twenty six parts? I would definitely say it's leaning way harder into spiritual themes. Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, they're trying to restore the planet or essentially create techno organic reformatting kind of thing so he it's kind of like and he's being told to do this by the oracle so yeah there's 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 some pretty obvious spiritual Mm. things like there not not just to go on how primal or you know sometimes seems to be like a hermit or guru yeah yeah okay uh so the next clip here uh this is one that uh apparently something that emily thought about cheetor has been uh was was uh was correct oh my god mm-hmm. what what sort of like robin he's sort of a, a younger hero he's sort of callow he's just learning how to be um a hero and a leader and throughout this series we really had him mature so that he by the end of the series basically takes over for optimus yeah, the way I mean, the way that he was, the way that he was talking there, he like almost said Cheetor is Nightwing now, but he didn't yeah. quite say it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but he, he inched close enough for it to me for me to be validated. Yeah, yeah, no, I thought that was I thought that was really interesting because he specifically says Robin, which I mean, it, it's not that he, much he, of a stretch, but I mean, it's it's kind of cool that it's kind of cool that it was specifically that character that yeah that that Cheetor was trying to be mirrored after. I was kind of hoping that it was going to confirm that Cheetor was 
Prosthetic. Was, was psychic. <laughs> <laughs> I realized I realized that that was what it kind of sounded like I was implying. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I apologize if some of these sound clips are like cut off more badly than normal because it seems like that I didn't listen to them as closely as I normally do because I had so many. Um, so this next one uh, is it sort of along those same lines? Uh, something. Something about the about one of the characters that I thought was kind of interesting. I think I think that's what this clip is. And actually, that's something that changed in this draft of the script. In the early drafts of the script, when um, Optimus went to the Sparks to ask for their help, they said no. They basically told him, "You're wrong. Megatron is right. I mean, we have this cycle of endless war where Sparks inhabit uh, bodies and uh, wage war and create great destruction, and then." are sort of reincarnated in new bodies and the cycle of war continues endlessly and the sparks are like, you know, hey, enough of this. Um, You know, Megatron wants to combine all the sparks into one single uh, unified organism or, you know, or entity and uh, thus create peace. And it turns out that that's incorrect also. Okay, so yeah, they, that that was right after, that, that clip was right after they were talking about Optimus, you know, and stuff stuff throughout the series, but you know, we, yeah. but yeah, I thought that was, that was an interesting, um, that was, that was an interesting change that they made. And then they go into, they go in later, they say basically the reason they decided, and this sounds a little bit rough, uh, a little bit harsh. Uh, the reason that they decided to go the direction that they did is that they said that if the sparks don't want to be saved or doesn't, don't want to help or whatever, then they're not worth saving. Yeah, I remember hearing that in the, uh, the commentary mm-hmm. which seems a little harsh i i would say i would say if the sparks want megatron to win then they should as a whole or whatever then they should have the authority to make that decision if you're you know if you're fighting for their for their freedom whether they you don't want to fight for their freedom whether they want it or not mm-hmm. um but i i thought that was an interesting it was specifically so um some of the so uh one or one or two of these other clips uh they we've talked a lot about how some stuff was thrown in at the last minute or it felt like a lot of stuff was being forced in at the last minute. Mm-hmm. So it does sound like there was some editorial stuff like or Hasbro wanted some things added and they said it and they wanted it added after basically after the the first half of the season. Yeah. After, yeah. After made. the first half of the season was was like out like. Like it was, it was literally, there was already audio recorded for most of the, for everything except for the last couple episodes. So, which means that when they asked for it, they were pretty much almost already done with the, the first half of the second season. Yeah. And yeah. they couldn't just go back and change all that. Wow. And, and so this, this bit is specifically mentioned, but I, I think that it kind of probably confirms some of our suspicions about maybe maybe some of the things that happened throughout the ser- the series that felt very very rushed and very very thrown in there's probably a bunch of things like this but uh this is a here's basically he says they they had to cut there was a scene that they had to cut so that they could add the shenanigans with the sparks the sparks on their chest this new development you know sometimes it was a little painful because we had a really nice humorous scene when the heroes are um, preparing for their final battle when they have a little uh, exchange of gallows humor and they talk about, you know, when they're killed in this battle, what they'll be recycled as. And it's all this mundane, you know, robotic functionary stuff. And well, I think I'm going to be a trash compactor. How about you? 
Yeah, exactly. And and because we had to make room for this other stuff, you know, some of that had to uh, had to go away. He's destroying the trees. Um, yeah. So yeah, that, yeah. That just definitely. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, Hasbro specifically with the sparks on their chest. Hasbro wanted that to be a thing for the whole season, but hmm. they didn't tell them until all the scripts had been written and a bunch of the audio had been recorded. And Jeez. so, so this was the earliest that they could, they could do it. And which is kind of weird because they give them these, uh, Bob Skur said, so basically we give them these, these crazy, awesome powers, uh, just so that they can all get killed. <laughs> yeah. It almost sounds like they were trying to take like something out of a power Rangers episode, like give them an additional power, or an additional power up well, sort of deal. Well, if it, what, what I feel like is if, if Hasbro wanted this for the whole second season and, and they had been able to do it for the whole second season, it would be mm. like, I mean, yeah, it would be like giving the power Rangers a new outfits. It would almost be like, it would be like, we can make toys of this with only yeah. minor, you know, just like it would only be a minor change to the, to the character model, which is, I assume is why they're able to do it at all. Um, it would only be a minor change to the molds. I don't know if that's how toy making works. Uh, yeah, it does sound like it does sound like when I, when I listen to these commentaries, like Hasbro and Fox both like had a lot of opinions about where the show should go creatively that were like really specific about this show that is, you know, in a way that they, they wanted it to be. I mean, they definitely wanted it to be different from previous things. Uh, I for, I totally forget what this clip is about, but it ends with Bob Skirk making a commentary on Megatron on Megatron's outfit. Mm-hmm. Hmm. It was also interesting because uh, that uh, we we had some great uh, death scenes for everybody that uh, in the early drafts of the script um, that uh, had to be adjusted due to these new powers, and they sort of became more of a montage. But uh, I think it still works. What? Okay, now, Megatron, you'll have just seen, uh, is wearing his mod house coat. <laughs> I never quite liked that design. <laughs> yeah, actually, it's funny because later in the commentary, uh, when the death, when the montage death actually happens, Bob Skur kind of gives the company line and says, well, you know, originally it was going to be each character has their individual death scenes, but we felt that it would be more powerful to have a montage at the end where they all die at the same time. But in, but actually they had written, so it sounds like they'd written a very different episode. There was, that was more about all these characters dying and having their moments and everything as opposed to like, yeah, them just them getting their sparks pulled out at the very end. And, Mm. you know, I didn't even get, I didn't even, until I listened to the commentary, I didn't even realize we were supposed to think they were dead. Yeah. I just assumed that their sparks were getting pulled out, but that they weren't actually dead. Cause it's happened. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, I mean, and obviously move has not always been a death. Right, right. And, and I mean, they're spoiler alert. They're not they didn't kill off the entire cast in the second to last episode um, or they sort of the last episodes. Um, <laughs> no spoilers, because Emily hasn't hasn't watched it. And most of our listeners probably <laughs> haven't, because that's how the show works. Um, I just am not used to being an episode ahead. It's weird. Uh, <laughs> what was I going to say? Um, but I think if they had if they had made if the episode had been like an early scene, they're like, we're going to all go into this final, this final battle and them joking about gallows humor. And then 
somebody has a meaningful death and then another person has a meaningful death and then another person has a meaningful death as opposed to them, like everything coming together at the very end. And you don't really know, like, cause even if, even if getting your spark removed, isn't always death. If they pretended like it was like, if they treated the scene like a death scene, then we would, I feel like it would have had more, more impact. And we would have been like, Oh, that's what they're implying here in this children's television show. I wasn't even sure what was happening. I'm like, is that like a vision that Optimus is having or like, right. Right. I I wasn't sure if that was actually happening or if it was just a vision of the future when it happened. So, Mm -hmm. okay. And then the, the last one and this one, either we read this in trivia or we are the smartest people alive. Because I remember talking about and saying this exact thing on the podcast. I just don't remember, like, if if we came up with it ourselves or if we read it off of a wiki. Silverbolt is one of my favorite characters because in Beast Wars, he was portrayed as this sort of, you know, he's the ultimate white knight. He's just Sir Lancelot. He's just too good to be true. And the way they portrayed him is he always sounded like Adam West in Batman. He just sounded like he was so heroic. He was goofy. And I said, you know what? Adam West Batman came back years later under Frank Miller as the Dark Knight. Why don't we bring back Silverbolt and bring him back really, really dark? Why don't we make him the Dark Knight? And when we brought him back, he was as dark and as bitter as Batman was in The Dark Knight Returns. And it was a direct response to and a direct contrast to how it was portrayed in the original series, which I loved, but which I wanted to, to, to play with and, and make very, very different he says different yeah. the last word i just didn't want that was a fucking minute long quit clip and i was like no i cut it off a second too soon <laughs> i um, think i think it was a combination I think, I think you said that i think you just said that if i remember but maybe it was yeah, a trivia. there was i definitely remember one of the trivia it's having it being there but i can't remember if we kind of hypothesized that or, or said something before or after that i like, think we, we did brought, say something it up again before. I, could I, have sworn that was Kendall's speci- I, I thought that was specifically Kendall's comparison he made. It was Adam West and Dark Knight, but I could be wrong. Maybe, maybe, Listeners, maybe somebody you remember said, our episodes better than we do? Yeah, tell us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, maybe it was, maybe it was that I, maybe it was in that episode. It was, if I made that comparison, I, I probably something mentioned Adam West somewhere. But anyway, yeah, I just, I don't know. I thought that was kind of interesting with the Robin thing as well as the Silverbolt thing. It's like, oh, okay. So we're, you know, we're reading the, we're reading the references correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, cool. That's all I got for that. Uh, yeah, that is to replace all of the other things that I do. And I'm going to do it again next week. Maybe make it not quite as long. We'll see. Cause <laughs> I don't know. These, these uh, commentaries get kind of repetitive and some of the stuff that I covered in, in this one was in the previous ones, but I don't think we really talked about in when I talked about the commentary. So they'll pro- the next one is the same two people. They'll probably t- cover exactly the same information. They'll be like, this show is a spiritual because of the, the Fox told us they wanted it to be so spiritual and it's a 26 episodes and all that stuff has been in every single one of them. All right. Uh, I, I, I passed the reins back to, well, to Jordan, I guess. If Jordan, did you want to do a TF wiki? <laughs> yeah, I got the wiki set up if you want to go straight to that. Yeah, let's let's go to, yeah, go go ahead and do that. <laughs> Sorry, I, that took, it took, a, it took, I mean, I guess I knew it was going to take a little while. I think we covered good information. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to point out one of the animation or technical errors I thought was kind of funny. Uh, there's a scene where, like, the tr- the tank drones are basically flown in 
if you remember, like and dropped like drop into the onto the ship or whatever. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, the tank drones aren't actually connected to the copter drones in any way. They're f- just floating several feet below <laughs> them. Oh God. <laughs> Magnus. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> that leave you hanging like so many feet below the actual magnet? Um, yeah. <laughs> okay. Or some kind of I mean, I feel like I feel like some kind of energy type thing could I yeah. mean that's how force works. Like like, you know, yeah. Like they they have the it's exactly so that grav the it matches the grav the gra- the pull of gravity and the and the the upward matches the downward. Well, F equals yeah, MA I guess, or whatever. I guess I guess we learned in this episode that gravity can be wonky on Cybertron. Yeah. Hey, that might pr- prove our thing about us thinking that it's like less dense or the gravity gravity's lighter. Yeah, that's or true. Or more dense. Or more dense. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, because F basically you have to have a value for. F where yeah where M F equals M A so force is the force that's pulling the thing and you have to have a the force which is sufficient mass to create the, to have the acceleration be zero um so F M zero or something like that. no that doesn't make sense <laughs> I don't know how I don't know it's a there's an equation you basically you have to you have to have it figure out the equation. So that there's just enough force on the tanks that they are that they have zero gravity, or I mean that they're weightless, that they have mm-hmm. they they weigh enough because then it wouldn't it wouldn't cause them to get pulled up to the thing, but it wouldn't co- or they accelerate. <laughs> Joe, <laughs> actually, I should call my mom on. <laughs> so we do um, not have time for that. <laughs> Uh, they mentioned a couple of continuity errors where previously Megatron was strongly against transferring his spark to avoid vulnerability. But in this episode, he's OK with it without explanation. I kind of just figured it was just like context of it, time, like and also like he was used. He was thinking something different than the drone, like switching to a drone body like yeah, it was and, suggested. And, and also like it's it like the, and the only thing that's a threat to him is the Maximals and they're kind of occupied at the moment. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Well, the whole I mean, like, desperate times, desperate measures sort of is a prime exit uh, upon prime. Uh, 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 get um, yeah. <laughs> um, but it's like, yeah, if if any time that the, that particular phrase would be, you know, relevant, it would be here, mm-hmm. at least from his standpoint. OK. And then for some reason, Megatron still has a scar over his eye, even though he's in a new body. Maybe you liked how it looks. It makes him look yeah. edgy. Yeah, it could be. Uh, and finally, Crytrap controls the mole drone just by jumping on its back and pushing a lever, rather than having to physically hack into its hardware as in home soil. Maybe then he upgraded we... his Wi-Fi. Hmm. Then there would be a little antenna on his tail. Oh, true. Uh, so we got... Let's look at the continuity notes here. Uh, Optimus mentions Cheater and Rattrap as individuals who have served with him since the beginning of the Beast Wars. And notably, tank drones make a return in this episode, as do aero drones. Presumably, they're being controlled by Stryka and Obsidia, respectively, who also supervise their replacements. And this episode uh, contains the first instance of a diagnostic drone speaking since the one from the first season was destroyed. It has the same voice as that one, but without the emotive qualities. Yeah. Uh, We'll get into... Well, it makes a point of mentioning uh, what uh, Megatron's new body is, but it does... And we'll get into that, but uh, it also says his head appears to be a reskin of his transmetal two-face. Yes, so when he was a dragon. I did notice that. Yeah, uh, I like this one here, where it's just Megatron is back to saying yes, yay. <laughs> uh, 
So this one's actually interesting here. Uh, it's rather fitting that Cheater's last, well, next to last battle is against Thrust, bookending his very first altercation in Beast Wars Part 1. There, his oh, impulsive dragged him into a fight with Wasmidir, requiring the help of his teammates. In his final fight, he fights confidently, plans a clever trap, and emerges victorious all on his own. Additionally, his final opponent is Thrust, who is, of course, Wasmidir's Vehicon Alter Ego. Yep. And then we just basically have a list of some of the gadget and powers that uh, appear in here, such as Rat Trap having a blowtorch in his robot tail. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, the Maximals reuse some of the plant bombs that they did in End of Line. Um, Matonica is capable of massively extending her beast mode routes and sliding along them like an elevator. Yeah, that was a little weird. <laughs> Copter drones are capable of airlifting other Vehicon units into battle. And finally, mole, mole drones have built-in flamethrowers. Hardcore. Yeah. Uh, yeah, got... that, was, that was interesting. <laughs> uh, we got a real-world reference where Thrust mockingly calls Cheetor Putty Tat, a la Tweety from Sylvester and Tweety. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. And then finally, for a tri- trivia, Rattrap alludes to having a stomach, whatever that implies. <laughs> well, we sort of we sort of figured that they did, considering they ate the fruit from the tree in the first season. Yep. So Rattrap also <laughs> ate the with the uh, apple core. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. Baltimore. He's he's eating things. <laughs> uh, They're so techno organic. For, yeah. So that's all we had there, Jordan. Yep, that's all we have for the TF Wiki. Okay, so getting into the episode itself, uh, we start with the previously showing off the last episode. Um, we get Megatron looking at a blueprint, the Viacons attacking the Grand Mall, uh, Botanica, you know, suffering some ill effects due to the shield and Rat Trap sending her through. And then we close off with the uh, the Grand Mall crashing down, or rather the Sparks getting a force field surrounding them, and then the Grand Mall crash, crashing into the city, uh, where we pick up. Uh, we've got copter drones that are circling uh, the downed ship, and the ship itself looks pretty heavily damaged at this point. It's It's got some battle scarring. The The eyes are red still, but we don't see any sort of pupils or any life sort of with it. And we have Obsidian and Stryka and Thrust looking on, wondering if the Maximals have survived. Uh, I think it was Stryka who was like, no, no one could have survived that. Um, Megatron is sort of communicating with them via video screen. And he's like, well, I want you to be sure and, you know, get in there and find out. Uh, so then we have him going to his his uh, his copy, you could say, his his Guilty Spark version two uh <laughs> and, and asking what the progress is on his body and showing that it's coming along uh we sort of see a bit of a silhouette we don't know exactly what it is yet but we do uh see that there is work to be had and work that has been going on we then cut back to the vehicons who are preparing for a final assault as we then turn our attention to the maximals inside the ship and we've got optimus and Cheetor and Rat Trap, you know, trying to figure out is there anything they can do at this point? Uh, they're very, you know, Rat Trap is saying, well, we don't have any power whatsoever. You know, we're, we're sitting ducks. We're, we're pretty much goners. Uh, but then they turn their attention to some sounds coming from the floor and up bursts Botanica and the other Maximals. And she has apparently brought a power conduit from underneath the city 
to try and give a bit of a recharge to the Grand Mall to, to try and get the shields back up. Uh, everybody seems pretty happy. We do get a little moment between Rat Trap and Botanica as they, you know, sort of give them give each other a, a look. Uh, Optimus, you know, tries to corral the troops, so to speak. Uh, we then have a screen that comes up showing, you know, blips on it and Cheetah reports in. Optimus is basically like, yep, this this is it. This is the, the final battle, so we need to prepare. So we've got the, the Maximals who uh, Black Arachnia and Silverbolt seem to be working on welding some doors. Uh, Night Scream is grabbing some cabling, I guess, from somewhere within the ship. We then are outside and we've got a, a whole bunch of tank drones that are sort of approaching uh, the Grand Mall from the ground. Cheetor is programming guess yeah we, we we sort of we're looking at his face from sort of like behind the screen so we've got all this text sort of to him it would be sort of moving to the right to us it's moving to the left um and sort of i think i heard some like keys clicking like he was typing something so i'm not exactly sure what he was trying to do there but he was doing something so it's, i mean i'm assuming it's good uh we we do see rat trap with his uh welding tail and he's got his mask on, so it's sort of like a, a welding mask, I guess you could say, while Botanica is holding onto a cable for him while he's welding. And she's not wearing any eye protection. I realize that's bad because, you know, normally anybody welding or whatnot is supposed to be wearing eye protection. So, Well, cellulose is a very tough material. I suppose so. Um, we then get the, the cycle drones who are preparing. Uh, we've got Optimus who is sort of looking on as everything's is being prepared and then we get black arachne and silver bolt who they finished welding some uh like parts in the door to sort of seal it uh we do get like a nice moment between the two of them where she's sort of like well i guess this is it and uh he's like well if it's it i'm glad that we're at least together and you know he sort of takes her in his arms and they have an embrace um it's a very you know it's very solemn moment but at the same time we've sort of been waiting for this i guess you could say uh since he came back so it's nice that we do get that that little moment where things are starting to albeit at the end when apparently everybody is doomed but <laughs> yeah i wonder this this feels like a scene that would have because i felt like the scene seemed a little out of place with the rest of the episode, this feels like a scene that may have been included in that other draft of the the whole episode is everyone talking about how they're going to die. Mm -hmm. um, it just just knowing just sort of knowing that that was a thing. And then that is like, oh, that sort of explains why this. I mean, obviously it didn't it wasn't like out of character for anybody. It just sort of felt like this was like, I don't know. I, I didn't get the I mean, I guess I should there their ship crashed and now everybody's coming out. Like I just didn't in this, in this episode, I just didn't get the sense of the, everybody's going to die. Like I didn't get that sense of foreboding uh, from it that I was, and maybe it's because I know oh. that everything's going to work out in the end, <laughs> but I don't know. I, I just, uh, it's, uh, so I did get to feel like weird. this, this was basically a final battle, even first time going into it. Mm -hmm. Like this is basically, they're basically holding the line and stuff like that. But yeah. I did not expect, you know, anything terrible to happen, but that because that's just kind of even in Beast Wars, like there was always like, you know, some things that kind of passed or, or went OK. Right, right. 
and I feel like, but I also feel like in in a in a big in the big the big three the two and three part finales of of Beast Wars, um, if something huge was going to happen, if this is the be all end all thing, they really made it clear that this was the thing, and I. I just, for whatever reason, I don't, I don't know if maybe it was cause I was half asleep when I was watching it. I don't know. I just didn't get that. I didn't get that from this episode. And I wonder if it's because they had to add all the, they had to add the, the sparks in their chest stuff. Could be. It, w- it really wouldn't surprise me. Like I, I would definitely say we probably lost something for sure in this episode. Uh, so that I could add that other part in, but I mean, we'll, and we'll certainly get to that. Cause yeah, that. uh, that was interesting. I thought it was kind of cool. I thought it was cool, but I still feel like it was sort of shoehorned in. Um, but yeah, well, well, when we get there, we can talk about that more, I suppose. But um, we've got Rattrap and Botanica, who also have a moment as well. And, you know, Rattrap is, is happy that she's back and thankful that she was able to bring the energy conduit. Uh, she thanks him for, for saving her life. And he's like, well, I like to think that you would have done the same for me and you know they they have like a a moment mm-hmm. and uh then sort of you know they like well we 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 can't really talk about that gotta, right gotta now gotta focus on things yeah. yeah they did uh they did mention the uh rat trap botanica relationship in the commentary um and what bob skur said was that was not really something that was planned uh but when they were writing the scene of them bickering and then kissing mm-hmm. like the scene kind of wrote itself and and the the characters took took a life of their own took on a life of their own at that point and they were just sort of following the where the characters were going at that um and so that that kind of explains why it might have been since it was added at the last minute that kind of that kind of explains why uh why maybe Emily didn't Emily didn't feel like it was earned um or maybe why there are you know why there are, why there are, issues issues with it uh and why it felt like it came out of nowhere because it did come out of nowhere uh but yeah. i just thought i thought it was an interesting little, little tidbit yeah um so yeah that sort of makes some sense there we do get uh we turn our attention to optimus as he starts commuting with the sparks inside the ship uh they sort of you know that we get this sort of oracle voice once again uh, talking to him as he he's speaking of them preparing for the final battle and you know if there's anything that they can do to try and help uh, we get sort of a flash and then we see the the maximals in the control room and Optimus sort of steps in and is transformed mode because he was in gorilla mode to talk with the sparks so then we see him in robot mode and we get like this sort of red light sort of behind him sort of like like I'm spacing on the word right now, uh, but he's backlit. That's what he is. He's it's sort of backlit with a red light, and we see this what appears to be his spark in his chest, like it's visible. Uh, Cheetor is the first to notice, and he's like Big Bot, and he looks and he's like, "You, you seem different." And now the here's the weird thing: aside from the glowy spark in his chest, he doesn't really look any different. No, he just has a. Well, he has a spark window now. Yeah. To be fair, to be fair, in this show and and in Beast Wars before, you know, if we've randomly seen a lot of sparks. So it's kind of like it's kind of like uh it's kind of like if you shave and people are like what's, what's different? What's different? And I'm like, "Well, I did have a 6-inch beard yesterday." <laughs> that might be. Oh, no, that's not it. It must be something else. Yeah. 
You know, or you get a big haircut or something. Like, you look mm. different. Why do you look different? Did you shave your chest? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I found a spark underneath. <laughs> Don't ask how I got there. <laughs> I checked and everything was okay. It's not, you know, I'm pretty I'm pretty sure we're okay. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't cut myself. Uh, but yes, so so Optimus talks about how he's communed with the Oracle and the, the sparks of Cybertron have agreed to to assist them in this, their final battle. And he looks to the spark within his chest and then all the other Maxwells, we get this sort of montage where their own chests start to glow uh, and they have these sparks now appe- now appearing, each sort of color-coded to them. And apparently uh, the, the strength of Cybertron flows through all of them now. Yeah, I think that's kind of cool where, like, Megatron was, like, trying to, like, absorb them all. And then, like, Optimus is, like, unifying them to kind of, like, power everybody up. And I was, like, really looking forward to, like, um, like what I thought was going to happen was, like, when he first fired, after powering up, when he first fires that big shot, I thought it was going to be, like, this huge command man blast or something like that. Yeah. Where they're just, like, all powered up. They eventually do do something with it, as you mentioned, the pinball thing. But I think it would have been kind of cool if it kind of maybe more, like, personalized it to, like, what kind of abilities they already have. Like, Yeah. But I still liked it. I think it's kind of – I think it's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so we get – the Maximals have now exited the ship. There was, like, this sort of cargo door that opened and then closed behind them. They're essentially staring down this entire army – uh, that is literally at the gates and Optimus starts to give a rousing speech to all of his troops saying that they, they're the finest group that he could imagine having there. Dinobot's uh, like, Hey, <laughs> <laughs> Dinobot was probably itching for a funeral speech. Yeah. Maybe uh, watching from the other side. He's like, yes, now we get the funeral speech that I wanted to hear. <laughs> um, but yeah, so they're basically like, you know, I'm glad that we've that I've been able to meet all of you along the way. Some, of course, are newer than others. And we see Botanica and she shares a moment with Optimus where she, you know, they look at each other. Uh, but he's he's happy that they're all there and that this can be their their final moments, if that is the case. We then, excuse me, uh, we then get Megatron appearing as a hologram sort of grid version of the Grand Mall. Uh, communicating to Optimus, like saying, you know, I give you one final chance to surrender and, uh, you know, join me. Optimus is basically like, you're mad and we'll never surrender to you. And Megatron's like, well, so be it then. And he disappears. Optimus, you know, stares everybody down. And we got all these cycle drones, the tank drones, strike on obsidian drones that are all charging in now. Uh, the Maxwell's, you know, are a bit scared at first, but we, then we get Rattrap who activates their trump card and we get the shield back up again. A bunch of the drones crash into it before, uh, and we also get some tank drones that sort of crash into each other as they try to skid to a stop. Uh, so they manage to take out like half a dozen of those. There's still a lot of drones, though, that are attacking and they're all attacking the, the shield. And then we get Obsidian and Striker who, you know, are conversing a bit. Uh, the drones are still attacking here, and Obsidian. I, I can't remember the name of the the protocol, but he he activates a protocol with the drones, and they just start kamikazing the shield, like just flying into it themselves. And I had actually, because I had 
watched these episodes last week and had sort of alluded to that this was going to happen. So I'm kind of, like, this was sort of, I guess, like a, a gambit on Obsidian's part to, to get the shield down quicker, just throw a whole bunch of drones rather than energy just to knock the energy down sooner. Mm-hmm. Which had one week. Yeah, they, yeah. they have a quota. So I just yeah. kept throwing people at them until they met it and shut down. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, so with the shield down, uh, Rashop's like, uh, guys, we got company. And Optimus starts absorbing blasts. And yeah, I was sort of expecting a bigger blast from him too. Uh, but yeah, the, the Max, so the Max will start doing their own attacks. Optimus shoots. Cheetor's using his source to deflect. Black Arachnia shoots her bolts. Botanica shoots her lightning. Uh, lots of stuff's blowing up. And then, oh yes, this is where we get to see the, the Vine grenades uh, in play again. Uh, both Night Scream and, and Rat Trap are using those. So the, the battle's continuing on. Optimus is like, we we have to hold the line here for Cybertron. Um, but then we cut down to the, the orchard underground and we get the mole drones that appear. And hey, start, remember those plants that are under the planet? Yeah. And the moles start taking them out. They're turning them to mulch. And with that being said, Botanica senses that the orchard is in danger and she almost appears to be in physical pain. Uh, you know, She's Rat connected Trap. to the plants. Yes. Rat Trap looks at her concerned. And this is where we would have had a commercial break when we get back. Uh, Botanica is like, oh, the, the orchard, it's under attack. And she's got like, it almost looks like a, in one shot, it looks almost like a heart-shaped gem in her forehead. <laughs> yeah. Her robot mode has a yeah. weird look to it. Yeah. Oh, here's here's a question. May, or maybe this is like an offshoot of the Eden noise. <laughs> I don't think so. I think the Edenoids no. were bug powered. Yeah, true. Maybe they're like cousins, though. Bugs and plants. I mean, maybe symbiotically. Yeah, I suppose. Um, birds and the bees and the flowers. <laughs> um, I think it's you mean birds and the spiders. <laughs> if it had been last series, it would have been the bird dogs and the spiders. Mm-hmm, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we get Botanica, who says that she needs to go back to protect the orchard. Optimus tells her that yes, that is the case because I mean, without the plants they have, then there's no future. He tells she, she can telepathically sense it. Yes, her connection with the organic core. Yeah, um, she currently has. She says that she's going to go. <laughs> Rat Trap says that he's going to go with her too. Optimus is like, okay. Uh, so he sends Botanica, Night Scream, and Rat Trap to to go try and save the orchard. Uh, Night Scream is looking down at the drones and they're sort of wondering how they're going to manage to get by them all. Uh, Botan- this is where Botanica turns back into her plant form, sends some roots through the hole, and just basically elevators from the top of the ship down into the ground. Uh, from here, we then turn to Optimus as he's getting attacked. He's trying to draw some drones away, but... <laughs> this is Kendall where you mentioned earlier that apparently there must be some magnets because the, the helicopter drones literally launch tank drones at Optimus and crash through the eye. I almost got a, a Unicron from the Transformers movie vibe. That's what I was yeah. thinking. Like this is like a this is like an uh, um a callback to yeah. the eighty-six film. That's what I was yeah. thinking too. Yeah, because we get three drones that crash through this eye uh and start moving into the ship 
and Optimus tells Cheetor that they need to to try and keep the drones out as he and he's going to go inside to try and stop them. Uh, we then turn to Botanica and Rat Trap and Night Scream, who reach the orchard uh, and are immediately met with three mole drones. Uh, they all prepare to do battle. Botanica transforms back into her robot mode, and she hucks one of the, the plant grenades that takes out a mole drone. Uh, Night Scream uses his sonic scream, and Rat Trap uses the, the one that Night Scream just attacked as a ramp. To, to sort of fly on to a third drone to, to take control of it. So I was just thinking, what if Doctor mm-hmm. Who, instead of having a sonic screwdriver, had a sonic scream? So like every time he wanted to open a door, he just yelled at it. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> well, see, he doesn't have to yell at it if he like, just used like, one of those smart houses. <laughs> yeah, I mean, True actually, enough. he would he would like just, he would like make like he was screaming, but it would sound like... <laughs> be like wibbly wobbly timey wimey something yeah okay go ahead um so yes we, we as they take out these three drones or rather two drones and rattrap takes control of a third another one springs up from the ground that rattrap is able to take care of with his drone however we then get uh some more drones that pop up we get one that uh is headed f- towards the the fossils uh that are further down in the ground uh, which Night Scream goes to to try and, you know, catch up to and stop. Uh, well, I mean, like, he's, he's concerned about him breaking the fossils, but at the same time, I'm thinking, like, as long as there's, like, some bones, the DNA will still be there, and they can still, like, yeah. read them. I don't think you have to worry about it too much, Night Scream. Yeah. But. Um, but he does manage to take out that drone uh, with his, you know, his, his vampire fangs, I guess you could say. But another drone immediately pops up to, to start moving forward again. We then turn to Botanica, who is dealing with yet another drone, which apparently has a flamethrower attached to it that is just spraying flame back and forth into the orchard. It's napalm. Yeah. They're they're very they're being thorough. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think I think with the DNA thing, I mean, if you if you destroy something, it can corrupt the DNA and like fossils and stuff. Probably most a lot of their DNA is bad already anyway. Mm-hmm. I mean, I learned in Jurassic Park they had to fill out the stuff with frogs. Oh, with the frog DNA, <laughs> I suppose. So, yeah. I mean, and that was and that was because I mean, even in Jurassic Park, like they had to get the blood from the. From the mosquito in the amber, they couldn't just take a fossilized dinosaur bone and get DNA from that. But they can in this, is what I'm saying. Like they yeah. explicitly can. So, so their so their scanners are better, but it doesn't necessarily mean that if it was just because you can get it from like a full skeleton doesn't mean you can get it from bone dust. Dust, I would say no, but I feel like yeah. you don't have to worry too much about the stuff that's happening unless they explicitly grind it down to mm-hmm. dust, kind of thing. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. Or maybe yeah. it's already so bad. Maybe they can already barely do it. I it mean, could be the case when they scanned. You know, sometimes their scales are off mm-hmm. when, they, when they scan. <laughs> I, mean, I feel like there's a reason for that. But yeah, <laughs> they made it so that it was a purple dinosaur. Um, we say T Rexes aren't purple. You they didn't have. I mean, not. none of the dinosaurs had feathers. <laughs> sure enough, we should get Zach from uh, all on the watchtower here. That's an inside joke, but 
If he ever listens to the show, he'd probably grumble like, I don't get feathers. <laughs> um, we do get a quick moment, a uh, quick cut to, to Megatron as he's watching the battle unfold. And uh, Guilty Spark version 2 approaches him and says that the, the new body is ready. And he says, prepare for the spark transfer. So something's going down there. We we then return to uh, Cheetor, who, you know, he's still trying to take as many drones out as he can, uh, block as many shots as he can. But we do get an explosion that knocks him back. He's, you know, starting to feel that they're a bit outgunned at this point. We then turn our attention back to Optimus as he's following these three tank drones throughout the ship. Uh, one drone stops, turns around to to fire at him, and he absorbs the blast and, and blows it up. But then we've got the other two tanks that are, you know, right there waiting. But then we get, you know, super maximal powers activate, and Optimus all of a sudden lifts up into the ground from the ground. Uh, he gets sort of a enveloped in a blue yeah. orb of his spark color. Yes. It, starts ping-ponging around the hall and crashes into the the tank drones and we get some explosions that occur the same thing then happens with cheetor and he gets like a, a purple aura and he starts sort of weaving and bobbing through all the drones and causes them to explode to explode and i'm trying to remember does he say ultra gear I don't remember. I, I was asleep I don't by this remember. point. I know. Yeah. He, I think he said something, though. Yeah, he says something. I can't remember exactly. Right but now? they. Uh, Cheetor has just used his superpowers. Yeah. Oh. So, like, it, it shows, like, they just kind of get, like, a an, or an orb around them and they all get super speedy, which is, it's it's fun. Like, I like how they have a power-up thing. Mm-hmm. And, it, and, it, and I feel like they needed a power-up if they were going to fight off that huge of an army. Yeah. But that said, it would it would have been pretty cool if, like, as soon as Optimus walked out there, he just like Kamehameha like a huge line of them. And then the, the bad guys yeah. were like, wait, what? <laughs> that would have been pretty sweet. But again, yeah. that's just me. That's just me wanting a different story. I mean, like mm-hmm. that's not really that valid of a criticism. I, I think it's pretty cool that they get a power up. Period. Yeah. So I, I, said, I was going to say, I think it might be after this sequence of them attacking that they cut back to you when he says something, because, uh, I remember, especially in like in the commentary, how they said they wanted this scene to basically just be uh, music and 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 motion, okay. as opposed to any like actual yeah. That was sounds. one thing was I don't think that the it was very good with that. I thought the sound was kind of lacking. Like the song isn't that good of a song to have silent action to. Mm-hmm. Like if it was a different track, it might have worked, but I don't think it really worked here. It was a, a minor flaw in like a otherwise pretty good episode. Yeah, the 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 rest of the Maximals they all uh, experience their power ups. Black Arachnia sort of weaves and bobs uh, through three drones. Silverbolt sort of ping pongs off of I want to say like four or five of the uh, the Obsidian drones. Uh, we then turn our attention back to uh, Botanica and Rat Trap. Uh, Botanica is cornered uh, by one of the mole drones. And Rat Trap gets his power up and he charges in, bounces off some walls and then takes out or he saves Botanica rather. Uh, he doesn't destroy the drone. But then we cut to, to Night Scream who gets his own power up. Uh, so he starts glowing. He flies up into the air and then crashes down into the drone that was attacking him. 
we from and this is all getting with this last attack we see uh that it's being viewed by megatron on a screen uh as he is we see his familiar face and it's sort of the camera's sort of panning up over him and he uh and it sort of spins around a little bit uh as it zooms in on his face one thing that we might notice as we went into the scene is we see his chest and sort of his shoulders and then we cut to his face and it looks kind of familiar everybody yeah don't know for sure but so for sure yeah (laughs) um but it zooms in on his eye and then we we see the spark we sort of see a picture of the spark swirling around uh this is where we would have cut to another commercial break and as we cut back in we've got megatron who he's using his connection to the oracle now uh and we see his uh, you know his his form from the first season uh, of him in his little sort of cloak cape sort of robotic form uh, as we see it sort of looks like space and the sparks are floating around and they're sort of in this this hoop that apparently is giving them power. It's uh, the Oracle hoop. Yes. And Megatron grabs it, lifts it up over his head and we see all the sparks disperse. We Oracle then s- onion ring. Yep. Yeah, I suppose that works. Um, the the power up that Rat Trap has disappears as he tosses Botanica aside. As the the mole drone starts shooting at them, and then like literally runs over his tail to trap him. Uh, as Botanica gets up, another mole drone breaks through a wall. We then cut to to Night Scream as his power up fails, and some bones are shot above him and come crashing down on top of him. Uh, he, you know, is sort of gasping as uh, we then turn our attention to Silverbolt and his power up stops. He's grabbed by uh, by Thrust, who is, you know, saying, you know, I've got you now, Jetstorm, uh, just sort of to, to edge Silverbolt on. And unfortunately, Silverbolt does get punked a little bit here because he charges in and Thrust you know, flips him over and then shoots a sort of like a girder on top of him. And he's and thrust is like, looks like you lose jet storm and black arachnia comes on the scene. And she's like, you're going to pay for that. And then gets smacked Punk in the back two. of the head by Which obsidian. Make, okay. Like I understand that way it knocks out people. Why does that knock out a robot? Yeah. <laughs> but all right. Um, We've got Optimus, who apparently more tank drones got in because he, he's getting attacked by two more tank drones. Um, he doesn't have or I think he's still got his glowy spark in his chest, if I remember correctly. But he doesn't seem to be able to access the power anymore. We then cut outside to, to Cheetor, who, you know, he's breathing heavy. He's got both of his swords. You know, looks like he's pretty spent here. And he's got Obsidian, Stryka, and Thrust all sort of converging on him, start shooting at him. He's trying to hold up his swords to, you know, just block their incoming blasts. But we get an explosion, which sends him flying back. Uh, we then see a, ho- a hole in the wall. Uh, and then we cut to an explosion in this sort of greenlit room with Thrust, Obsidian, and Stryka all sort of looking for him. Thrust is going, here, kitty, 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 kitty. Here, kitty, 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 kitty. Um, 
we then see uh, a pillar start to move and they all notice that, you know, that the anti-grav unit has activated on the Grand Mall. When they're like, why would he activate it? And then we get Cheetor, who... He's so excited to use this one-liner. Yeah. <laughs> what was it? It like, looks like you guys need to lighten up. No, I think it yeah, was. it might have been yeah. it. Yeah. yeah, that's what so, he says. Yeah. So he, he pulls down a lever, and we see Obsidian and Stryka go flying into the air as Thrust manages to, to get out of the way just in time. Not um, just flying into the air. Yeah, they get launched. They're going uh, to like, space. Yeah, yeah they're, they're orbiting Cybertron now. Yes. Um, so now we are left with Cheetor and Thrust, who are sort of squaring off a little bit. Cheetor's got one of his swords. Uh, Thrust has a, a spark extractor that he tosses aside as uh, Cheetor you know, growls a little bit. We then cut back to Guilty Spark version 2 as a, uh, a little crane lifts up, and we then see Megatron sitting up you know, now in his new body, fully prepared, and he seems pretty excited. He's like, "Yes." Yeah, he says it a lot this episode. Yeah, because like, I think Kay said the last time we get a return to season one, Megatron. Yeah, we we've then turned our attention to uh, the Spark Chamber as we see Optimus sort of you know in slow mo flies face first into the floor bounces a little bit he's got a couple of tank drones still chasing after him as he he gets up he's you know staying in between the drones and the sparks uh he's like you'll get these sparks over my you know deactivated body and as the the tank drones transform into their robot modes and they start approaching they suddenly shut down and fall over and Optimus has like this really weird look on his face like <laughs> what the hell <laughs> Uh, we then turn our attention to, to Cheetor and Thrust. Cheetor's sort of got uh, Thrust in a bit of a, you know, almost like a, a sleeper hold, which mm-hmm. would work if, if Thrust was, you know, had to breathe. Um, and doesn't but, he says, like, uh, he's he's going to protect Cybertron and everyone on it, including him? Yes. Um, it, but Thrust doesn't seem to really care because he, he <laughs> flings Cheetor up over his shoulder and sends him flying. Uh suspiciously landing right beside the spark extractor that Thrust had tossed aside moments ago. As uh, So as Cheetor is getting dragged, because Thrust uses his little harpoon hook hand to, to latch onto Cheetor's ankle and starts dragging him back, uh, we see Cheetor as he's sliding, he sees the, the spark extractor, and then we cut to Thrust's face as Cheetor approaches, and he turns around and Whoa, spark extractor to your chest, bucko. And yeah, this see... is pretty cool. Ending the fight there where he yeah. extracts the spark out of Frost. Yep. Mm-hmm. And we see his body fall over and, and you know, his eyes deactivate. And just as Cheetor is looking down, he looks back up as a shadow, you know, sort of covers his face. And he's like, uh, big, big bot? And we see an outline of... Da, 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 da. What appears to be Optimal Optimus's body, and the hand reaches out for Cheetor's. He screams, and then it cuts to a door sliding open, and we see the same back- backlit figure, only red this time instead of a green light. And we then see actual Optimus, who looks over, notices the body, and we see a hand raise open, and there's this blinding lights that flashes out and then Optimus goes 
hurtling backwards. Uh, he's like, and then as the figure comes into view, we see Megatron's face inside the head of Optimal Optimus yeah. with the body. So Megatron decided as one final F you to Optimus. He's like, I'm going to use your body. One major difference. Yes. No beast mode. Uh, we do have uh, Megatron's spark very similarly to when we first saw this body. We see a spark sort of sitting in the cockpit on uh, Megatron's chest, which is, is of course, his spark. Um, we then cut to different drones as they have spark extractors and we see a you know a montage of of all the other maximal sparks getting pulled out as they looked pained or you know distraught uh we cut to to optimus's face every once in a while as he's getting rather upset uh, then cutting back to the sparks as they you know enter the spark extractor containers uh, we then see like the lifeless bodies sort of laying all over the place and Megatron looking pretty, you know, pleased as Optimus collapses in front of him um, and looking kind of dazed. And so our final views of the episode are of Megatron standing over him, almost triumphant and Optimus looking pretty, you know, pretty glazed over at this point. Eyes are half lidded as we then cut to the final credits for the second last episode of the series. Dun, dun, dun. Cliffhanger. Yep. So, uh, everybody's take on this. I liked it. It was a pretty solid episode. Yeah, I think, I think at least it was a good action scene, like, or at least like feeling of like, oh, this is a final battle kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. It had a lot of like raising stakes. Like it, it felt like an epic, like finale battle. That kind of thing. Like, it definitely mm-hmm. felt like the finale. It felt more like a big climax than any other finale of a series has had so far, I feel like. Yeah. Kendall, what about you? Uh, so, I I mean, I, I, liked the, I liked the episode. I think this is, it's definitely part two of three. Um, I mm-hmm. don't have too much to say, although it was, I mean, except for it was good, with the exception of the little bits that now that I know that they cut some scenes and had to add some stuff in, makes a lot of sense why there were uh, the issues. Um. Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody wants to know uh, my reaction to uh, Optimal Optimus. So, I've been waiting all week. So I I was trying to decide whether I wanted to play it up as the character of Kendall or whether I wanted to give an actual response. <laughs> um, I decided to be a human being. I'm going to pull away the pull away the shades of the Kendall the asshole and uh, and give an actual uh, opinion. So. I mean, optim- optimal Optimus is basically a Viacom. Like it's, it's. I mean, it's still overdesigned. It's still like ugly, but it's it's a Viacom. I mean, it's a Viacom body. Most of the most of the reason that I always hated it was that it basically doesn't have a beast mode. And yeah. Megatron's like, it's just like what you had, except for without a beast mode. And it's like, there's, it looks the same because there's no there's no kibbles to or to imply a beast mode or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, he, in the, in the, in the finale, he transforms with it and fights with it and stuff. And it just, you know, it's just a Viacon body. Uh, the, it kind of feels like now that, now that I've seen it, like, it's like, that's, and that's also, that's if they wanted to do the, the callback, the ghost from the past thing, that's literally the only thing that Mega Megatron could choose. Cause yeah. 
Because he's not going to choose. He's not going to. I mean, it would the close sec. The closest thing, which was a, is a distant second. He could have done uh, Tankor, um, or like a, a beyond that. He could have done uh, like story wise. He could have done the original Megatron, or he could have done. Uh, I would have liked the original truck, Megatron, truck Optimus so. or whatever. But they're not going to make a. They're not going to make a, a whole new. Oh man! But they had the Optimus. Yeah, well, they had the body model, so they could have done it. Oh man, thinking about that now, that would have been such a huge fuck. I'm thinking about like they they did have the model for Megatron and Optimus. They they could have done either one. Yeah, I think it would have been bigger. Models were shitty. Yeah, but I I think it like it still would have been a pretty big fu if it was the G1 Optimus that appeared. But I but I think like I think yeah I think this choice made the most sense. Um with I think G one or Megatron would have been a really good second choice. Yeah I I think yeah I mean basically basically if they did if they did that it did want to have him be uh, in in a an Optimus or Megatron body like they would have to they would have to alter the the models that they have because like the The standard for how good a model looks when it's in a flashback or or whatever versus like it's a recurring character. I mean, there's a there's a difference. There's a difference there. It would have taken it would have taken some work. Uh, That's true. But but I, I yeah no I I think this is yeah I mean it's just it's a via, you know it's a Viacon um and I like I mean I like it a lot better as Megatron. Mm-hmm. Um I mean it's still you know and it's like also like you know after. Uh, you know, it's it's on the level of Stryka and <laughs> Obsidian, like it's over designed and 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 everything. But it at least it. Uh, I don't know. I've also been a little bit coming around on the Optimal Optimus design because I was like, because I really I'm thinking about that toy that's coming out and whether I want to buy it. Oh, that the one that the one that's the both the power of the prime power of the primes one because i would like to have an optimus primal yeah. but i was in i was actually in walmart on saturday and they had the Optimus prime version for power of the primes so it's the optimus prime and then it's i think supposed to be orion pax i saw i, I saw a hot rod in my store. oh yes and there was a hot rod too it was I right behind Optimus. I was tempted. I was very I did, tempted. I did buy a Transformer uh, at Toys R Us this weekend. Oh, wait, uh, no, it I was, think it was a tight to turn hot rod. It was twenty percent yeah. off. It was the the last night Optimus Prime. Twenty three steps to transform that guy. Yeah. <laughs> it took me half an hour with instruction, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then it was a truck. And I was like, <laughs> "Why did I? Why did I do this? He's a truck now." I don't want him to be a truck. <laughs> Did you spend another 23 minutes transforming him back? Not quite there, but yeah, I did transform him back. It's like, why is he a truck? Because <sighs> they went with G1 Optimus? Yeah, yeah, but like, I don't know. It just was like, he looks so cool in robot form, like the Michael Bay movie robot form. And then, and it is impressive that you were able to get that crazy Michael Bay robot form. And then it just looks like a toy truck. Mm-hmm. That's impressive, but I don't want it to look like a toy truck. I don't know. I let's just say, like my Beast Wars guys, I go back and forth. You know, I go back and forth depending on how I want them displayed or whatever. This guy's gonna stay in robot mode. Yeah, that's the Kendall. That's the new segment. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the um yeah the 
the truck that you're talking about, it's a um because I used to work in the truck and trucking industry. We actually had that truck show up at a truck show here a couple of years ago. Um, and it's a Western Star 5700EX. Um, and it was freaking huge. Uh, but yeah, it, it's... Well, so, so if it transformed into a huge truck, mm-hmm. that would be one thing. But this is a truck that is relative in size to the figure itself. Yeah. It obeys the conservation of matter, which is not true of the source material. So mm-hmm. I, I think that's disrespecting the source material. I can understand why people don't like the movie. <laughs> I mean, in the movies, the the, the tr- like Optimus when he's a truck and when he's a robot do mix. They do keep the same mass. So yeah, no, that yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's the problem. But they, the, I'm saying I'm saying it is it is accurate to the movies. What I'm saying. Yeah, it's a, no, yes, yes, it's a it's accurate to the Michael Bay movie. It's not accurate to it doesn't it doesn't line up with uh, with the with the spirit of the 1982 cartoon. No, I mean even then, like Optimus as a robot's bigger than Optimus is a truck in the cartoon. I mean, like, there's some there's some size changing involved. Like, don't get me yes, wrong, but, like... Yes, that is the, what I'm the cars, saying. The cars tend to not... What I'm saying is I want my action figures to not obey the laws of, con- of, of thermodynamics. <laughs> okay, I see. If I'm going to pay $30... Or, sorry, it was 20% off. If I'm going to pay $24 for for a for an action figure it had better not obey the laws of physics that's wow what I'm that's okay <laughs> i mean if it was like 15 dollars, then okay it's got to obey the laws of physics because you know it'd be more expensive it wouldn't be able to turn a profit but it's a good thing you didn't buy like trypticon or something there because that would have been like close to 200 i don't know who that is it's the giant uh trans- it's like a giant Rex dinosaur robot that turns into a city Okay, that doesn't help. I mean, you told me what it is. It's like it's like purplish and 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 uh. Was it in a Michael Bay movie or Beast Wars? No, no. <laughs> Was it in the comic book that we read? No. You're you're pretty sure it wasn't. I'm pretty sure it wasn't. Folks, if you enjoy me being confused about characters <laughs> and complaining that everybody looks the same, you should listen to the Silver Bowl Book Club. <laughs> Okay, we should turn the corner here. Uh, do we have a news post? We do indeed yes. have a news post. So, as always, our news post is brought to us by Casey or at Lady K Hirsch on Twitter. Uh, Casey opens up this week saying, Happy penultimate episode, BCs. The Maximals have a mole problem. Looks like Team Obsidian and Striker are blasting off again. And Megatron, who believes that imitation is his sincerest form of flattery, dresses up using Kendall's favorite design from Beast Wars. I'm sure that the next episode will have him swiftly defeat the Maximals and absorb every spark ever and ascend to godhood. But until then, let's go over this week's news. First up, Amazon UK has a listing up for Power of the Prime Nemesis Prime, who I'm sure none of you are tar- tired of hearing about. She provides it is a very cool design, though. It I is a cool say. design. Um, same pictures as before, but much higher quality. It also gives us a name for the Orion Pax repaint as Nemesis Pax. Kind of lazy, but she guesses he is a Nemesis of Peace. Also, now that it's clearer, his Pax face is pretty freaky and bug-like, which is cool. Uh, also calls his red sword the Darksaber, which was one the name used for the evil copy of the Star Saber 
wielded by our, our modern nemesis prime. Certainly also a bad book it, by Kevin J. Anderson. Uh, it certainly resembles its cartoon counterpart, but with a hilt closer to the toy version. But pretty There's cool the picture stuff. picture of Vorpal thing that Nem- Nemesis Prime had. Yes. Yeah, it looks a little... Yeah, it looks kind of weird. Um, up next, Hasbro has applied for a new trademark for Black Arachnia. Hooray! Yeah, we got a link here. Uh, our favorite Spidey Femme Fatale hasn't gotten a new toy release in a long time. Even if you do count her Takara exclusive toy from a while back. This could mean we'll be seeing her in Cyberverse at some point much like her appearance in animated and be getting a new toy along with that could That'd also be mean, Yeah. It could also mean she'll be getting a new toy at some point during the war for, war for Cybertron trilogy's toy line and generations, or maybe some kind of elusive unannounced power of the primes toy. Oh, uh, that's Can that, you imagine her having like a power of a prime thing going on. Would she get like her trans metal body? Do you think? Well, Oh, that would be kind of cool. Cause that's the only yeah. one that they, I don't think they actually made a toy of, did they? Oh wait, no, they did. Yeah, and it they had. They did. And it's expensive. Toy. Yeah. Because I was, I was looking. So I kind of like to just. Also, just <laughs> so for the record, uh, just so that Kendall won't add us, um, the dark saber is also the name of the saber that the Mandalorians had that makes. Uh, yes. Um, <laughs> I remember that also, now. And it's uh, the and it, and the mother. What's her name had it too in the Night Sisters stuff. All the it's like in all of the best episodes of. Yep. Mm-hmm. So uh, Casey goes on to say that one's a bit less likely, but not impossible by any means. Regardless, she's excited to see what ends up coming from this. Next up, we have a new poster and trailer for the upcoming Power of the Primes animated web series. Uh, considering that she hasn't been following the first, yes, posters. Pull it up here. There, there it goes. It, you know, it's not too bad. Um, find the coloring. It, it's, it's got a lot of different colors to it. Um, we do get to see Optimus Primal uh, in it, which is cool. And we see the Dinobots and Megatronus. Um, Predaking is kind of there down in the corner. Yeah. There. Uh, evil Rodimus Prime, but. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's not a bad poster. I, I'm kind of. I kind of question some of the color choices, but you know, it, it, it is what it is. I mean, certainly they pulled a lot of the 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 modeling from the show itself. So, uh, but she says, uh, considering that she hasn't been following the first two shows, she's not exactly hyped up for this. That being said, it's cool to see and hear good old Optimus Primal on the scene. Yeah. And she also thinks that the poster is pretty cool. So last up, IDW has named John Barber as their new editor-in-chief. In terms of Transformers writers, Barber is one of the most prolific, second only to Simon Furman. He got his start writing movie tie-ins for Dark of the Moon, moving into the main IDW Transformers continuity at the start of Phase 2. He acted as both the author of Robots in Disguise and as the editor for More Than Meets the Eye. It was here where he proved himself to be someone who could wrangle together continuity issues from past comics in interesting ways and lean into the continuity of a universe without alienating those who aren't intimately familiar with it. He continued as the writer for, of R.I.D.'s successor, Optimus Prime, and was also the co-writer of Transformers vs. G.I. Joe, in addition to many other miniseries, one-shots, and other projects. 
He also serves as senior editor overseeing the entire Hasbro universe of comics and his first crossover before stepping down and acting as a freelance writer for IDW and other companies until now. Suffice to say, he's more than earned his new title and position. She definitely is excited to see where the upcoming Transformers comics reboot, as well as IDW as a whole, go from here with him at the helm. So that's kind of cool. Yeah, kind of interesting. I think it's pretty neat. I mean, he certainly made a name for himself. Uh, I know, especially and, with Robots in Disguise. So, and I think remember remember Kendall how I was saying that the Optimus Prime comic had a great way of sprinkling in like the Hasbro verse. Right. Right. I bet I bet you that was his influence. Yeah, yeah, definitely. There was a, there was a, someone had a poster for the Misfits from Gem and the Holograms. Mm-hmm. Uh, Casey, uh, so instead of a question this week, she she's going to follow up from last week uh, and states that she, you got to remember that she literally listens to new episodes right before writing these news <laughs> posts. So so yes, that previous episode was the inspiration for the Marvel Zombies question. For the record, she read the Ultimate FF years ago, and it was a mixed quality. Some of it was good, but it definitely trended toward downward as time went on. Last thing she remembered reading before, excuse me, before she fell off uh, of the Ark uh, was where, no wait, the last thing that she remembers reading before she fell off of it was this Ark whereby stopping the accident that gave them their powers, they made an alternate future where the entire world except Ben Grimm had had powers because of the super scroll. It wasn't very good. Also, the ultimate version of Namor from FF sucked. So should say she wasn't going into ultimate FF with super high expectations. So the use of the R word there didn't face her much. And she mostly meant the comment about that making ultimate read more evil as a joke. Fortunately, the joke in question then made me remember when Valeria used the R word in some issue of FF as in the series actually just called FF about the future foundation, not me, not her abbreviating fantastic Four. And which is a lot more recent than Ultimate Fantastic Four, and should certainly be held to higher standards with that sort of thing. Which FF uh, was that? Was was that Hickman uh, or Fractions? Uh, I think it might have been Fraction. Okay, yeah. then that would have been pretty because re- I think he yeah. was after him. Yeah, yeah, because Fantastic Four turned into Future Foundation after Hickman, right? Hickman started so. Oh, so maybe Fantastic Four. So Fantastic Four ended with uh, the death of Johnny Storm, and yes. then Hickman, and that was the middle of Hickman's run. And then he was FF for a while, and then when Johnny Storm came back, Hickman was still writing. Uh, mm-hmm. But there was also an FF book. I think they basically Hickman kept writing fa- Fantastic Four, but then there was at some point there was an FF book by uh, Matt Fraction that that I didn't. Read. Oh, okay, I didn't read uh, the Hickman stuff either. The Hickman's yeah hard to read yeah um but she goes on to say um i think that, we're at where valerie where she uses yes. it endearingly yeah she so yeah valerie apparently uses it and she qu- puts it in quotation marks endearingly on her brother franklin which actually did legit upset her uh when she was reading it for a variety of reasons and sort of ruined it for her and made her drop it off of it soon after at least that should hopefully not be a problem with this new upcoming fantastic four series uh she goes on to say okay i actually do have one question before she ends this what are all of you going to do to prepare for your final episode next week watch an episode of peace (laughs) (laughs) says all right i hope you all stay safe until next time and don't have your souls pulled out by any techno organic cheetahs oh and she then says 
to as a PS. Kendall is wrong and cold pizza is good. Yep. <laughs> so yeah, there's our news post. Um as far as um preparation, I mean I might watch the episode again. I mean, I've already watched it once. <laughs> I might watch it again. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Are we, are we, we're not really planning any, like, crazy thing. We're just going to do another episode, I guess. I guess yeah. we could try and do something that's special. I, I mean, if anybody that. wants to send in comments or anything, I mean, we're certainly not opposed to it. And mind you, we've always been open to that sort of thing. Um, with it being a last episode, I mean, it's... I've I've certainly been doing a lot of reminiscing and I even thinking about it now, um, I was debating whether I was going to ask this now or if I was going to ask it on the last episode. But I was kind of wanting to see what everybody's if everybody had a favorite moment from the past with all of this. But Mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be answered today. Could wait a week. Give an answer next week. So if you guys if listeners, if you guys want to say it. Uh, just make sure that you tell us before we post this episode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Because you won't be able to have listened to this episode. Because by the time we post this episode, well, we'll be getting ready to record the next episode. I, 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 I will put, put out a Twitter post. I'll make yeah. something okay. for and like put it out like, um, would you say Wednesday, Thursday might work? Yeah, I'd say that. Okay, yeah, so I'll, I'll do that. Wednesday. I'll put like a little thing to give people a heads up so they can start making things instead of and as along with the question post that I usually put up sometime on Sundays or Mondays. Yeah, yeah, I think that would work well. But yeah, if everybody's if anybody make has a note a of that favorite, so I don't forget though. <laughs> yeah, if anybody has a favorite moment that uh, that they would want to reminisce about or or just make mention of or you know just any comments in general, you know. We we certainly appreciate. It. I mean, it's I I'm trying not to get too nostalgic because I mean we aren't done until next week. But I mean, there's been a lot of stuff that's happened, and I for one feel you know I, I feel pretty good about a, well like pretty much everything that's happened here. But uh, certainly there's some ones that stand out for me, and uh, I'm sure that there's some that stand out for everybody here. So. Um, so my, my biggest thing that I'm going to be doing preparing for the last episode is preparing for what comes beyond that. Uh, I'm, I'm going to be, I'm going to continue to do all of my podcasts on Kendall cast. I'm going to be promoting that, uh, by the time this episode, uh, gets posted, you'll be too late, but, uh, I'm going to be at free comic book day, uh, with my co host of the Polis podcast at Pack Rat Comics. And hopefully uh, picking up some some listeners uh, to that to that feed. Uh, and I would and specifically before the last episode airs, I want to make sure that I post the uh, episode of the Silverbolt Book Club that I recorded with Jordan and Jared a few days ago, uh, where we reviewed uh, Optimus, the first volume of Optimus Prime. Uh, it turned out good. And, you know, you guys like Transformers. You guys like listening to podcasts. You guys like Jordan and me. You should listen to that. You know, I just, I want to have that out before the last episode, but I mean, and I'll, and I'll be doing the, I'll try to do a commentary thing like, uh, uh, for the last episode. So I'll be pulling audio clips and stuff, but yeah, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna rewatch the whole series or, uh, or listen to all of the podcasts or anything before the last episode. I think, I think we're kind of. We did a big, we did kind of a big thing in between the series, and I think we're kind of just 
letting this thing letting th- this thing die of natural causes. Mm. This, you know, take this it, take its natural course. Yeah, yeah. Let it just you know, we'll give it a little bit of extra morphine if it needs it. Yeah. Uh, electrocute oh, you know what? it. I've got a question that we can answer today. Smother it with a pillow. What? That I've I've got a question that I want to hear uh, everybody else's thoughts on because uh, uh-huh. I thought about this earlier today. What is everybody's favorite song that Kendall has done for this podcast? Oh, I would say probably just the main Warren B song. I really like yeah. that, like original, you know, ukulele song. It's real good. Mm-hmm. I I kind of like the second version a little bit more than the first version, but I do like, yeah, I do like the 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 theme song. Yeah. I'm not sure if I mentioned it on air or if it was like before we started recording, but I was li- literally listening to uh, Kendall's rendition of uh, Good Night But Not Goodbye uh, from the Star Wars Christmas special is the only positive thing I think that I have taken from the thing. <laughs> but I thought it was a very good rendition. So I, I've got it on my phone. I like listening to it. So My favorite one that I did was, was Rat Trap Little, Little Submarine. Oh, that one. Yeah, was that good was too. good. That one too. was I maybe the most work into that one. Aw. Aw. Uh, although the, although really the season two, the season two theme that uh, that that Casey hates so much was was pretty rough because I hadn't played that style of music <laughs> like in a long time, and I don't remember if it was like at the at the end of the at the end of the re- recording. Uh, I I assume it was cut out of the actual like what was on the what ends up on the episode but at the end of the recording because it was my drum it was off of my drum track you can hear my wife saying kendall you're really loud are you almost done (laughs) (laughs) yeah i think it was cut off because i don't remember ever hearing it it might have been in it might have been in like the one of the trial versions that i sent you guys and i was like ah this is this version see it sounds better than the bad version (laughs) (sighs) but I suppose I should stop asking questions. I, I imagine we've probably got a question or two from the listeners, don't we, Jordan? Yep, we got quite a few. I even had to add to it while we were talking. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, so let's start with the Facebook, because we got one from uh, Rhea Rose again. Cool. And they asked, do you think Megatron chose to have a, a Megatron-style face on that body, or does his spark just form that face into that style? The latter is kind of disturbing. Mm. I want to say that it was the former. But yeah, the latter does sound pretty disturbing. His spark is so so powerful; mm. it just forms that face. Mm. I don't. know. I think there might be something to, not not like to that extent, but I do think that when building, when creating a body, the spark might uh, model a face specific to spe- specific because that would explain why why Optimus's face in the in beast wars looked a lot like optimus prime uh and why other you know other characters they've it's like they change but you can kind of tell like i don't know i i feel like i feel like going from you know from beast wars optimus to transmetal optimus his face kind of looks similar and you know a couple and some other ones like they have even when they get new forms their face still kind of looks the same yeah Yeah. i mean sometimes it'll change drastically like even I guess even like Transmetal Two Cheetor looked a little bit like Cheetor in terms of like the helmet shape and everything, but he had like a cat face rather than like a human face. And um, I mean, Beast Machines obviously everyone changed a lot, yeah. So that doesn't really count. Yeah, and I'm not saying I'm not saying like always that is the case. Uh, maybe maybe it 
especially in situations where the character is having a bit of an identity crisis. I think like Silverbolt changing from, you know, he looks very different <sighs> from Beast Wars to Beast Machines, like n- not even the same animal. Uh, but like he's also changed a lot, I think. Yeah. I think like, you know, maybe maybe it's less important if they have if they've changed more. But I just yeah. I do think I do think there might be something to the spark sort of shaping things. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a pretty explain, good answer. I think that also would further explain the dragon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. <laughs> uh, what do we have for our next question there, Jordan? All right. So we got that got a, quite a few from uh the Twitter. Uh Gwen at Atwitsararu uh posted a couple uh also they posted a uh link to someone someone seeing a cosplay of dinobot at a convention recently yes and it was which, amazing yes it, it is a very very good costume uh i think we 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 retweeted it right i'm pretty sure we did yes yeah so if you can give it a give it a look on the account it's it's yeah. pretty it's pretty awesome um Meanwhile, they also asked, is Megatron using Primal's old body just as just an alternative version of face off? I'm going to say no, because he didn't switch faces or heads or anything like that, because he made it specifically in a special way. Didn't, didn't steal the face. Yeah. So yeah. It's not like face off. <laughs> it's an yeah. alternative version. It's reverse face off. It's face body on. off. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so wait, this is just a body swap? Yes. It's different because like. Oh, it's only halfway because it was only. Megatron. Because, no, I'm saying because it's not the face. Even if even if Megatron and Optimus had like switched bodies, it wouldn't be a body swap because like the face is different. It'd be more like it's body swap, but not in the way you're thinking of it, I guess. <laughs> uh, and then uh, the and then Gwen finally asks, uh, "Now that you're almost done with the series, are there characters that grew on you or characters you fell out of love with?" Plus, uh, Jetstorm, like I. I remember liking them, but I don't remember them liking them as much as I did when we were watching them the first, uh, watching them this time around. Uh, and the diagnostic drone that he really grew on me. Yeah, I, the diagnostic drone me. was really good. Um, I got I really really liked when we got the reveal of Rhinox. I really liked that sort of aspect of it. I'm not totally sure that they did the best that they could have with him. But it was a really interesting take that I really liked. Then you know, w- with regards to that, I think I think Rat Trap is the character that when we started this podcast, he was my least favorite character. Mm-hmm. I mean, I related to him because I was also an asshole. But other than <laughs> other than that, he like he was you know sort of a. But I feel like he has with with a certain new, there's a certain nuance to um to hit to his appearances and and his his development over from the beginning of Beast Wars until now. Um, and then conversely, uh, Optimus, uh, I really liked, but I've kind of grown tired of him. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I, I think that that's kind of intentional. Like he's supposed to, he's not supposed to be your favorite character in beast machines. Cause he's kind of, you know, he's wrong and that's an interesting story and it doesn't hurt the story, but, um, and then, uh, in the middle is waspinator who I always liked when I was a kid and I still like, yeah, uh, that's actually true. Waspinator didn't change from me in terms of what, what I thought of him, which was always, he was one of the greatest, greatest, like, you know, joke villain kind of things. Mm-hmm. M, how about you? 
Um, I'm sorry, I got distracted by something. What's the question again? <laughs> no, it's okay. It's okay. Uh, Gwen asked that uh, now that we're done with the series, are there characters that grew on you or characters you fell out of love with? Um, no, not really. I think I already kind of had the idea of which characters I liked, and I didn't really like hate any characters from the beginning. Like, no, I think I kind of just kept my opinion of like I like these people, and then it just kind of kept that way. I don't think there was anybody I disliked. Ah. Uh-huh. Trying to think here. Can you guys remember anybody I explicitly disliked? Um, I know. I remember you saying you were mad about the characterization of uh, Striker and Sividian a couple of episodes ago, but I think that was more of just how they were acting, not not them yeah. themselves. Yeah, that's pretty much. Yeah, I mean, I would I would say that like, if anything, they they did they did the opposite of grow on me because I liked them right away, but then they kind of like got worse in characterization. But it's not like anything to it's not a strong feeling it's just like oh that sucks that they didn't actually i guess tiger hawk was one character that i fucking hated that's true that was the only character i can think of that i just hated and i didn't grow on me no he did not grow on me at all Mm -hmm. you know what circling back handle to to your mention of of rat trap and him growing on you you know where i think that it turned the page with rat trap where when we saw him surfing Because I remember quite vividly, everybody was like, how did they manage to make him surf? And, you know, the fact that we saw him go through the ship to shut off the security system all by himself, I think, was one of those things that we were all kind of surprised by. Well, he had a lot of he had several focus episodes in season one of Beast Wars Mm -hmm. that, uh, you know, I don't know if I missed them or if I didn't, you know, wasn't paying attention when I was younger or whatever. Uh, but even I mean, even from relatively early on, I think he was a he was a very interesting uh, character who didn't like like Cheetor kind of got worse and then got better. And mm-hmm. Optimus just kind of got worse. Uh, Rhinox was always awesome, but was only, you know, only around became less and less important and then got his awesome arc in in Beast Machines. Uh, but like of those of those original ones, I think that Rat Trap uh it was kind of the the sleeper, like he he got he he did a lot. Yeah. Okay. All right. So what do we have next there, Jordan? Uh, then we got. Okay, I'm gonna read the first part of of uh, of this just because you have to see what happened to it, uh, and then we can break down the questions in it. But uh, powerful sapphic aura at what is cosplay asked. Wait, why did the Maximals engage the Vicons in open field combat when they would would have an advantage inside the corridors of the Grand Mall? And doesn't this put Megatron back inside a techno-organic body that he sought to escape at the start of the series? Anyway, I'm running out. <laughs> she got cut off. <laughs> That's really funny. So, uh, yeah, uh, why did why did the Maxwells engage the Viacons in open field combat when they had an advantage inside the corridors of Grand Mall? I would I guess- say I think Optus didn't want to run the risk of them getting too close to the Sparks. Yeah, I, yeah, I was I thinking say, they were trying to see if... Say, yeah. 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 Seeing if they could possibly stop them before they got to the Grand Mall. Yeah. Because, I mean, it didn't look like he was panicking too much when the, when the tanks got thrown in. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, like he knew it was possible, but it seemed like like that was like he just didn't want all of them in there. Yeah. Um, and as for why that does, why that put Megatron back inside a techno organic body. It didn't. Yeah, we, it's actually I think it's actually revealed that in the next episode, but we're but uh, it's kind of obvious that uh, Megatron did not keep the gorilla form. Mm-hmm. I think, sort of. Yeah, right. he he explicitly he removed, mentions that yeah. he 
does not keep the gorilla form. I, I thought it was in the third, the third and final episode that he mentioned uh, that. Maybe. Oh, it might have been at the start of the third. Yeah, but I mean that it's it's kind of obvious that's what he would do. Yeah. So sorry, it's not so much as a spoil for a spoiler there. All right, and then the second post from uh, was what is cosplay is of room. Hey, I'm back. Uh, so if the VCs <laughs> if the VCs went on a cruise, where would they spend most of their time? And where do the VCs fall on the love slash hate dictomedy of the Last Jedi? Uh, I think Rat Trap would spend quite a fit, bit of time at like if it had slots, if it was a gambling it had like gambling in the cruise. Yeah, yeah. Um, I but think... Cheetor would spend it spend it at the pool. Yeah. Uh, or if there was some sort of an arcade, mm. uh, ooh, if there was parasailing, I think that Silverbolt would try and convince Black Arachnia to do it with him. That'd be cute. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think Rhinox would just tan. Get a book uh, by, get a chair by the pool, get out a book, and just sit there. Yeah. <laughs> I think Optimus would just, you know, he he'd enjoy the the views and walk around the ship a bit. Maybe want to talk to the captain. Hmm trying to think uh is this is this what would they would do on a cruise kind of thing? yeah where were they spend yeah. most of their time i mean rat trap would just be at the smorgue the whole time <laughs> eating mm-hmm. like he would get one of those tickets that like just like pay for all your meals before you even get on and just like go wild <laughs> yeah. yeah i could see that what about night scream night scream would be unhappy that was there he's staying in his room the whole time yeah yeah i think that's true yeah be playing his video games in his in his uh, room. Yeah, be playing Michael Jackson's Moonwalker <laughs> and Sonic Three. Only games he plays. Yep. yep. Uh, uh, so, what about the final part? Where do the VCs fall on the love slash hate the comedy of the Last Jedi? What is the, I don't what know what is that? Is that, that, that the is that who the... like who likes the movie? Who hates the movie? Oh, I don't know. Okay, I have, so I'm not. I'm not seeing the movies. So I can't really comment on it. Well, that doesn't matter. Just but <laughs> it doesn't matter what you th- what you what you think. It's what you think. No, but the I, beast I, I know. But the... I, it's hard for me to read what the beasties would think if I haven't seen the movie. You know. Well, oh. you, look. By that logic, Let's Place <laughs> would not work as a podcast. Okay, listen. Let's Place doesn't work. That's the whole <laughs> point. <laughs> no, you shattered my dream. <laughs> I. Uh, I I don't think the math adds up on that. Um, <laughs> so uh, oh. I'm going to say that they all loved it because it was great. Um, I don't think any of them are. I don't think any of the characters are particularly misogynist or uh, or stuck in in a toxic uh, nostalgia something or other where they think that everything used to be better and everything sucks now. So I think that probably all the characters would like it. Megatron wouldn't like it because it has organic. Yes, in that's it. what I was thinking of. Well, I, I was thinking Megatron ghosts. would be one of those ones who just you know does not like organics to begin with, and that's that's seen at the at the like at like the resort town or something yeah. like that. He, that would just make him absolutely hate it. Like, yeah. if anyone asks him, he'll just cite to that and just rant and rave about why it was so, like, stupid or whatever, like, didn't need it or something something like that. Yeah. That, that Actually, they would all hate it because they'd be like, are droids a lower class in this? Like, <laughs> is it? This makes me uncomfortable. Like, I don't really. <laughs> uh, but that's all the questions we have for this week. Cool. Uh, so does, have any, does anybody does anybody have anything they would like to plug this week? Uh, I'll plug Game of Pardon 1C once again, and we're 
uh, officially definitely starting up uh, the What's McCracken podcast. So I put out like a question post and I'll be putting out things for it. And hopefully, actually probably around the same time this comes out or or, or close to it, uh, the first like the first couple of like the first episode might be out. Like we're doing it. We did an episode zero. I and, listened to it. It was and, good. <laughs> thank you. And I'm just I actually started work on the second the second like the episode number one that we just did so here's hoping that goes well awesome you know what would have made me a better at market is if i had said that my favorite song that i did for warren for the podcast is the theme to what's mccracken (laughs) (laughs) you know i actually honestly thought i would slip that in there but i didn't think nah that's another time Because it actually probably is one of the best things I've done. Yeah, go, go, uh, yeah, go listen to that. Just, just listen to the theme song. You can, you don't have to listen to the rest of the podcast. M, how about you? Um, you can catch me on other audio tree podcasts like Teenagers of Attitude, uh, In Pursuit of Passions, and Home from the Losers. Um, and you can also catch me every Saturday on uh, YouTube.com slash audio entropy i'm not sure if that's the actual like just go to youtube and look up audio entropy <laughs> you can find us on um actually i think it's gaming youtube just just follow me on twitter and look out for me posting um about uh silver pines which is the new rpg game that luke's jamming that um molly ashley julie and mike are all in as well which is like tabletop rpg game and i don't know the first session was a blast so i can't wait for more um and i think i think y'all might get some enjoyment out of it if you like watching you know actual live play podcasts or um streams or anything like that uh and um you can catch my twitter to find this uh, at this is emerald cool yeah, it is audio entropy. If you search audio entropy, you you are able to find us there on on YouTube. Yeah. And the first episode of Silver Pines is up. Uh, so, Kendall, how about you? Well, I've been plugging everything I do all throughout the episode, but you can find everything I do at KendallCast.Ninja. Uh, my Twitter is at K Hallman. Uh, podcasts that I'm currently doing are on the KendallCast feed, uh, the Pull List podcast, and that's what we called music. Um, I'm also reworking, uh, well, I'm trying to decide whether I want to rework Waiting Here for Every Man to include some other things that I've been wanting to podcast episodes about, or if I'm just going to do random podcast episodes on the Candlecast feed, which uh, seems to also work. Uh, uh, so look for new stuff, because I'm going to have uh, about four to five hours on Monday nights available uh, coming up soon, which will allow for some time for me to make podcasts, different podcasts. Yeah. Yes. Additional (laughs) uh, new, new things, new things. Look to the future. Kendall cast. Cool. Cool. Uh, As always, you can listen to us and many other podcasts on audioentropy.com. Also the aforementioned silver pines is now up on YouTube. So if you search for audio entropy on YouTube, You'll find that there, and that goes on live every Saturday. I think you guys started at, was it 7 Pacific? We're supposed to start at um, 7 Pacific or 9 Central. Yes, or 10 Eastern for those folks, or 11 Atlantic like me. Um, (laughs) So, yes, there's all those goodies. 
if you're very, very late to listening, or if you're listening in the future, we've got Twitter. Uh, we still have Twitter. Uh, Twitter is at Warren Beast. We've got a Facebook group, so facebook.com slash group slash Warren Beast podcast. Or if you're old-fashioned you want to send us an email, send it to our Gmail, warrenbeastpodcast at gmail.com. Yeah, don't send uh, us email. I, yeah. I suspect that's going to be the least monitored after the show ends. Mm. I mean, I have, like, all these accounts set up because I'm also managing stuff yeah, for other people. Enough. So it wouldn't be – I would it wouldn't really – be hard for me to just zip through and check that yeah it's just that i but the fact that i've only been doing it like mostly once a week is kind of a bad indicator for it (laughs) well i'm just i'm just saying like the i suspect that i suspect that the twitter will remain at least somewhat active or somebody will get a notification on their phone if somebody ats us but oh yeah somebody has to check the email and once we're not doing a show i there's not really (laughs) So just, just, at, just, you know what? Just follow me on Twitter. <laughs> or you can follow me else. if for some reason you like listening to me. And as Kendall pointed out earlier, my Twitter handle sounds like Greg Seaman. So. <laughs> you don't have to bring it up every episode. <laughs> well, I don't have to now. But yes, you, you can follow I me. I think he's just salty about it. Yeah. <laughs> wah, wah. Uh, but yes, you can follow me, Greg C M U N, on Twitter also. So yeah, there you go. Uh, we're literally down to the last episode next week. It's insane. About yeah. damn time. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so another episode down, one to go. Uh, so for Warren Beast, I have been Greg. I've been Emily. I've been Jordan. Kendallcast Ninja. I'm Kendall. <laughs> <laughs> Let's roll, folks. So the article about Tredicus Maximus on the Transformers Wiki is absolutely amazing. And there's a note that Tredicus Maximus has the single greatest name of all Titan Masters and is right up the running for the most awesome name in Transformers history, along with Ruination, Sinner Twin, and Sleigh Ride.